is up, everybody? Welcome to Café con Santos, a show where we uh, reflect on the life of the saints, we promote the rosary, and we also interview friends, spiritual directors, and other members of the community. Today, we have Daniel. Daniel was actually uh, in the seminary, and about like a year ago, he discerned that that wasn't his calling, and he's with us today. Um, so... Uh, before we get started, Daniel, do you have any questions about anything? Uh, no, I think we're good. Okay. All right. So Daniel, we're going to, we're going to start with prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for the opportunity to, to drink coffee, to enjoy a conversation about where you have led us. Please send your Holy Spirit, guide this conversation so that those who listen to this episode may be guided by your spirit. Please protect us from any attacks of the enemy and let the listeners have a better understanding about not only your love for them, but also uh, their, their personal uh, mission in this life. We ask this through the intercession of St. Dominic Savio, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Daniel, este, like I said, this podcast is about enjoying some good combos with some of my friends, and we enjoy some coffee as we talk about the life of the saints. And today we're going to be talking about um, St. Dominic Savio. But before we get into all of that, Daniel, I got to ask you the most important question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Do you like coffee? Yes. All right. Yay. <laughs> Cheers to that, man. So we have most of our guests enjoy coffee. That's just probably why I invite them. All right, Daniel. So uh, I'd like to call this segment Ask Daniel. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you're going to have to answer as honestly as possible. Are you ready? All right, ready. All right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Sure, I understand. <laughs> that was my phone, Siri. <laughs> we'll ask that again. Not you, Siri. <laughs> Daniel. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? A superpower? I don't know, probably... I don't know, maybe being fast or something. Like the Flash? Yeah. Okay. Do you have a devotion to any saint? I would say it would be especially to, well, St. Dominic Savio. And also, like a... Saint I would like to pray to and to follow along is also Padre Pio. Padre Pio, okay. With uh, by location and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Are you a dog or a cat person? Or um, neither? <laughs> so I haven't never had any pets, so I might seem a little bit more on the dog side. Okay. What set of mysteries do you like the most when praying a rosary? I would say when praying the rosary, I think my favorite ones would, um, are usually always the 
apostles, the joyful mysteries. Okay. Just be able to reflect on you know, Jesus being born and kind of really think about it. All right. What is your favorite dessert? Uh, favorite dessert? I would say probably. How do you translate that in English? It's a really, really funny translation. And I think I usually hear like rice pudding. <laughs> it could also literally be rice with milk, which does not sound as good. <laughs> no. uh, well, were you always Catholic? Um, yes, I would always be Catholic, but practicing not, not really the whole life. <laughs> okay. What is one thing that most people do not know about you? You like to keep your secrets. <laughs> no. um, if you could have any job, what job would you get? You get anything? Any job. Like, let's say you already had the degrees, you already had their certificates, you had the money. If you could do one job, what job would you pick? I would say, um, I actually talked about this with Father Ryan the other day. Yeah, so kind of my job I would like to have would be for me to like work as a it's called a master of ceremonies like for for masses that's something like i really enjoyed doing just because i was in seminary so a lot of times i would organize masses and like set up for them that's something i really like and people that work in that but a lot of times they're only priests not <laughs> the master of ceremonies um would that be like the guy that organizes the mass for a wedding or, or for any type of mass uh, for like any type of mass because usually the ones I've been helping with it, a lot of times I've been with bishops, so I kind of know how to do it. Okay. And that's a job that uh, laity can do as well? Um, yes, but there's not really that much. Usually it's just priests. Okay. Okay. Um, what song hypes you up or puts you in a good mood? I don't know. It kind of depends. Because <laughs> I listen to a lot of different music. And I'm, I'm not sure there's necessarily one. Okay. Like, let's say you're at a, at a fiesta con, con tu familia, with your family, and it's like the carne asada, like, what what song would you be like, this this is good? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> Hard to think about? Yeah, it's hard to All think right. of. Because I, I like to listen to music, but the thing is that there's a lot of different songs. That, like, I, you were to ask me my favorite song, I can't really tell you which one. Okay, is there like a genre that you do not like? I know my people might be offended, but like the only thing I don't like is rap. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I personally don't like reggaeton. Yeah. I used to like reggaeton, but like most of the yeah. lyrics are just not, not yeah. that good. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then uh, last question. If you could be the patron saint of something, what would it be? Patron saint of something. I don't know exactly. Maybe... Somehow I could become the patron saint of my parents' hometown or something. Okay. <laughs> and what's your hometown? So where my parents are from is Rayon, San Luis Potosí. So it's a very nice small town, and it's it's where it's a very holy town. I was just there about a month ago, I think it was. Okay. Are there any known saints from that rancho? No. No. Also, as, as of right you'd now, be the first one. <laughs> as of right now, okay. Uh, San San Daniel Camis. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Well, thank you for that segment of Ask Daniel. Now we're going to jump into talking more 
about your life, you know, uh, for, I, I assume that the majority of the people that watch this show and that actually know you, they think of the seminarian, but there was a lot that, uh, built up to that moment and yeah. a lot that has happened since. So could you just like kind of walk the audience through what your journey and the faith has been like? Yeah. So yeah, growing, growing up as a kid, I've always lived here in Michigan. Yeah. So I'm the oldest one of my family. There's two of us I have a younger brother. It's 18 right now. And so, yeah. So before he was born, like growing up um, with my parents, we were not really going to church at a time really at all. If, you know, if we could, we would go on Sundays, but you know, for one or another reason, we wouldn't really go. Yeah. So mass wasn't really a regular thing in church at all. That that time, you know, there was, we would go to parties with family. A lot of times my dad would work even on Sundays if he was too busy. Or like even at that time, I would, I would get out of mass by going, going with my, one of my uncles just to go out to eat or something, just to get out of mass. <laughs> yeah, so that that's how it, you know, it was when I was growing up. And so like after my brother was born, kind of that time we, we actually started helping more because at that time my mom helped with the Guadalupanas at the San Esteban. Yeah, so at, at that time, that's kind of we got more involved. But then you got to know the parish priest from back then it was Padre Francisco at the church at San Esteban. So that was a that was the way we kind of drew close, but not necessarily maybe as very close. We was kind of just going to mass and just helping, and that was it. Not really, let's say, having like a good prayer life and everything at home. Like they were really li- living a good Catholic family of life. Yeah, so kind of everything happened was um two thousand five. There was an uncle of mine. He had just gotten married in. May of 2005, he got married in Mexico. We went to his wedding. And so he came, you know, came back here with his wife. And so what happened was later in October, it was actually, I remember um, October 30th, he actually felt really sick on, it was on a Sunday, Sunday morning. He felt really sick and he's like, okay, I need to go to the hospital. He wasn't feeling well. So later that day, he actually, he passed away later that night. It turns out he had um, leukemia. Like that he hadn't said anything about it. So he passed away that night on the 30th of October in 2005. So that was a, a big hit for my family and I, um, cause he was my, actually, he was actually my padrino de Valti, So he was my godfather of baptism. So yeah, it was just very hard for my family at that point. So we went, we took him down to Mexico, get buried. Cause even at that time too, when he passed away, his wife had, was pregnant at that time. She was, I think seven months pregnant at that time, passed away. So with that, it was just very hard for my family when he passed away because he was very close to us because he pretty much lived the whole time here in Michigan with us. And so with that, um, that's actually what drew us to go to church more. At that point, we actually started going to church every week, helping out more. So later, like the year after that, May 2006, that's when I started helping as an ultra server at San Esteban. And by this point, how old were you? Um, at that point, I was probably... I think like eight years old, I think it was. Yeah, pretty young. Yeah, so eight years old, that's when I started being altar server there at San Esteban, Monaguillo. Yeah, so at that time we had Father Francisco, who I think he was there for like one or two years after that. And so kind of what changed my life a lot more after it was because we had a new priest that come, that came in. Um, that people might remember him, Father Mario Javi, who was from Paris, France. He was there at San Esteban for a long time. And so when he came in, it was... Um, you know, he changed a lot of things at the church and with that, he kind of inspired my family and I to be even closer to church and you know, being 
know, better Catholics. And so with that, at that time, um, my mom, she, at that time she had, when she came, became in charge of the Guadalupanas. And so that kind of changed a lot because at that point we started praying the rosary more at home, going to church more, helping out church with different activities. I was Monaguillo at that time. So I was going to help with mass on Saturdays. So at one point we even started going to Saturday and Sundays at church, go to both days. Because Saturdays was mainly a main day would go. So it would always help with that because there wasn't really Monaguillo. And Sundays was just because we needed to go for the reasons. So that was something that really drew us to go to church every, or going twice on a weekend. And, um, and so again, once I was in high school, that's when I really got involved after I did my confirmation actually at St. Anne's. I remember that was kind of a turning point for me. Once I did my confirmation at St. Anne's, that's when I picked St. Dominic Savio as my confirmation saint. And like the reason was I picked him was he's a patron saint of Monaguillos of altar servers. That's why I picked them. But yeah, after I did my, my confirmation, that's when I felt like I really changed a lot and I got a lot closer to God. Maybe it's at that time. That's when like the year after that, even though I just did my confirmation, I went to help at catechism at Santa Esteban. and I would be assistant with my mom or someone else. I would help them with the kids, you know, teach them how to pray the Padre Nuestro, the Ave Marias, other prayers, like helping them with that. That time that's when I also helped um, youth group there at San Esteban. I did that for like one or two years. Helped with that. I would help with food pantry once in a while at San Esteban. I would also help, I don't know, just different retreats. Sometimes the Escuela Evangelización. Go to Corporación retreats sometimes. So yeah, kind of just really being involved with different things at, at the church. And that's kind of, I remember even in high school, I was just super busy to even hang out with friends from high school. I would just go to church every every night for different things, like going to mass, going to... And what was that like? Because um, you said you, you were going to church like around seven years old, right? And kind of, even though you weren't uh, helping as much, yeah. you have been uh, working, doing stuff in parish life for a minute. Um, and I assume once you got to high school, there were opportunities where perhaps classmates were talking about, oh, we're going to go to this quinceanera, we're going to go to this wedding, we're going to go to this party, we're going to do this and that. Uh, like, what, did that stuff never really interest you? Or was it something like, no, I'm kind of more focused mm -hmm. in this, this is what I is more interesting to me? Well, yeah, like, at least for me, maybe it's a lot different experience because, um, just so you know, because I phrase them, I've never lived in Detroit. I live over in Taylor. So kind of, that's kind of very different for me because I haven't really, because I don't really have that much family here. So I don't really get to get that experience of being a Hispanic community. Okay. And so like for me, there wasn't really that many Mexicans at the school I was at. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like at the most, when I was there, like maybe one of the years at the most, there was maybe like six or seven of us and I was <laughs> And uh, of those seven, were you guys friends? <laughs> I was friends with maybe some of them. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. some of them I never got to meet, but yeah, some of them like, I knew because of church or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember when I was going to pick a high school, uh, I was going to go to Cast Tech. I got accepted and everything. But at the last minute, I was like, no, I, I'm going to go to Western. Uh, and I, some of my friends later on that I talked who went to Cast said there was like a very small community of Latinos and, mm -hmm. and that, of that group of friends, they all like kind of stick together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So going back to, to your uncle who, who passed away, mm -hmm. um, 
Like, what exactly caused you guys to want to be more active in church? Was it a realization that you know, one day we could be here and one day we, we could be gone? Um, I would say at that time we wouldn't really understand that because, you know, I was still pretty young when I was like eight, nine when he passed away. And so what well, kind of the only reason why we started going to church more, because um, I was still very little, but for my parents, it was more because that was, a, that's where they found comfort at that time. Because that once that, once he passed away, that's when we stopped going to like all parties from our friends and like even, like not even having our own parties. Mm. It was kind of just, you know, it was, was like what was giving you guys strength and, yeah. and uh, moments of healing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, uh, Fast forward, you're in high school, serving uh, San Esteban a little mm -hmm. bit more. Your mom's involved with Las Guadalupanas. Este, what what was the the transition into uh, the archdiocese or in Sacred Heart Major Seminary? Going to the seminary. Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So like, it's, here's like another thing, just to go over too, because a lot of people ask me like, oh, like when did you think about going to seminary? <laughs> Like, was it since you were, like, seven or, like, when you were altar server? It's like, no. <laughs> well, it's like, for me, it was more, in, I was into, like, 17 years old. Okay. Which is when I was doing, like, youth group and everything, when I was really involved. Because at, at that point, that's that's when they started, you know, in junior, that's when I started asking, like, okay, what career do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go to school? That's when I really started thinking about everything. And it's like, okay. Like, one of the number one thing I like to do is go to church. That's what I really enjoy a lot. Like, okay, I want to dedicate my life to to the church in some way. Kind of, I thought at that point, since I would see Father Mario and just seeing his great example of how he did so many things there at San Esteban, I thought was, like, okay, I want to be a priest just like him. So that's kind of what drew me to going to seminary was just seeing his example and wanting to serve the church. And it's kind of you know, what led me going to Sacred Heart for the seminary and you know, being there for six years. Yeah, because like, Honestly, I think the majority of young men, when they, they don't like the, the thought of going to the seminary, becoming a priest, they're not thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> so to find someone at the age of 17, I assume by this point you had perhaps an encounter with God that kind of, what was that? If you could, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, but so at that point, yeah, I've been to so many retreats and like, remember one thing that really Something that struck me a lot was to draw closer to God was going to adoration. Because something we used to have at San Estendo, I forgot to mention, we were able to, well, they still have it now. It's uh, Pimea de Viernes devotion, like First Friday devotion. But like back then, we had an all night adoration. I remember that was something that really, you know, got me to really love the Eucharist was to go to that. But like a lot of times, I remember one time was like at 1 a.m., you know, went to there to the, what's currently the office of San Esteban, for the, little chapel there for adoration I remember like things like that's what really drew me to god and be able to love him and just like be with him because you know going to adoration just spending there in silence at 1 a.m or 2 a.m yeah. just praying there and then eventually you're in the seminary and you you spent quite a uh you said like six or seven years right six years you and and uh we'll probably <laughs> post a photo here but you're actually wearing what's that thing called Oh, like the Roman collar? A Roman collar. Yeah, that, that was from last year. Yeah. 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 So I think you were like super close to become a priest. Maybe a little, you still had a lot to go through, but yeah. <laughs> a lot than most of, I would say, the members in our community uh, here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. 
in the archdiocese. What led you to discerning that that wasn't your calling? I remember you shared with me that you went through a 30-day retreat, but you don't, you don't have to go into the details yeah. if it's too mm -hmm. personal, but like, what caused you to go from maybe the priesthood to maybe not? Yeah, um, I would say the main thing for me was not, you know, being for there for so many years and kind of, there's something recently you can learn about. I'm not sure you heard the Sermon of Spirits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like you always had to, you always ask God for that sense of peace that you need. Like, you know, always being like, sure, you know, being able to pray about it. It's kind of what we did the whole time during the 30 day. Yeah, and sorry, uh, for the for the audience that doesn't know what discernment of spirits is, could you give like a brief overview? Yeah, so kind of brief overview of it is, so it's a teaching from St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's the one that founded the Jesuits. Yeah, so that's something he taught, um, you know, all the Jesuits of being able to, how to pray with, about anything. So being able to, for example, be able to discern when something is from God, something is from the devil. And like, for example, like with the life of St. Ignatius, how he discovered that was, for example, he was injured in war and he was in bed for a while. And for example, for him, he was able to figure out the discerning spirits and find out about it. Because he, for example, when he was in bed, the only books he had to read to entertain himself was uh, Life of the Saints and Life of, I that was like Life of Christ. So when he, read that and thought about it, he felt a great sense of peace in him. But then when he thought about his past days of being in war, he felt like a lot of, like, let's say, like stress and like impatience. And so that's when he recognized, okay, these things that God give you a sense of peace, it's sure like this is the right thing for him to do, which is why he later um, decided not to go to war again and just offer his life to God. So you, you did like, uh, I'm assuming some spiritual exercises. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a 30 days. 30 days of silence. Yeah. 30 days of silence. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> the longest I've gone on a retreat was probably like four days. Yeah. And by the third day, I was like, I, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So like eventually every year through the summer, we kind of build up to it. So like the first time I went to one was like five days. That was you know, to start off the school year. We'd always start off the school year with a retreat. It was like five, seven, eight days was days was up was the last one before the 30 days yeah but in 30 days it was pretty good <laughs> like i really enjoyed it yeah. especially when we were at was in south dakota so it's kind of the middle of the cornfields and everything it was just very peaceful and what's what's like the purpose of that 30 days yes like, yeah so the purpose of the 30 days is that's something actually all the jesuits do as part of their formation to become a priest and so like, it's something that you know, they asked us to do here at all the seminarians in Detroit. So it's, it's a retreat where you just, you really get to know God. So it's kind of like different phases in the retreat. There's like, there's like a breaking down. It's like four weeks, four phases. So kind of like the first week is you learn about, you know, learn, you learn about your love of God. For example, how God loves you as his beloved child. Your second week, you go through, for example, like the ways you've offended God. The third week, you learn about, you know, repent of everything you've done. Then your fourth week, you go through is um, being able to pray, okay, what, okay, God, what is, what do you want of me? So why do you think this, this may be a philosophical question. Why do you think it's important to start off with why God loves you? Well, the importance of oh, why they have that set up like that, the retreat set up, you have to learn about your great love of, 
know, the great love of God to you. You really need to know it. You really need to feel it. Because otherwise, you just go into learning about, okay, God, I've done this, this, and this. Voy al infierno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, you, like, you'll, just, you'll just be, you'll lose all hope at that point. It's like, no, that's what you need to learn about the great love of God has for you. <laughs> otherwise, you're just going to go into the pit and just stay there. But ultimately, yeah. <laughs> you had a great time uh, and then felt uh, a, I don't know, what an inclination or a desire or a calling that this is not for me. Yeah, yeah because um, kind of just to give it, because it wasn't necessarily just during your retreat that happened. It was kind of... Because, like, let me tell you, I'm pretty sure there's some people watching there. She's mostly like, yo pensé que iba a ser sacerdote. So, you know, for yeah. all of those people, just just be like, hey, this is what happened. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know especially I haven't really told everyone publicly, but like, yeah. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but yeah, but it was kind of something that happened even like months before from like earlier in the year. It wasn't just like happened all of a sudden during the retreat. It was something that when I was going to retreat, I was like, okay, this is something I really need to pray about just to be sure. You know, I, that's what I got out of the retreat. It's like, okay, I felt like God was telling me like, okay, you shouldn't really, like I shouldn't continue. It's like I was trying at least like leave seminary maybe be just be a lay person, but you never know. God, God knows maybe I'll go back one day, but at least you just take a break or something. Mm -hmm. And now you're out. And after so many years of being in the seminary, you are a lay person. Well, you've been, yeah. <laughs> but you are quote unquote, uh, like the rest of us, that, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, what, what has that shift been? Cause you went from, seminarian where you had like your specific hours of prayer and eating and this to a life where now you got to work and working yeah. is not so fun. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, it's been a very, <laughs> very hard Humbling. transition. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially cause like I went to seminary right after high school. So I've never really had to <laughs> work and everything because <laughs> even the seminary would work, but I think it would be instead it would just be like working at church and that was <laughs> And, uh, well, now that you are out, what are like your, your plans for, for the future? Like what, what are you working on now and, and what do you hope to do in the future? Yeah. So right now I'm currently working on this whole thing, going to school again, but still not sure what, necessarily what career, especially right now. Um, um, let's just say someone told me about like, a possible job I can get. So I'm kind of, I need to wait and check and see if I could probably get that job and hopefully go to school for that. Okay. But right now, I'm still not sure. <laughs> yes, it's still barely been, like, what, a year? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, a year. A year. Yeah, so. it like, yeah, it was last year in July. That's when I was at retreat. Okay. The 30 days, 30 days of silence. <laughs> 30 days of silence. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. Is there any last things about your testimony that you would like to share before we jump into talking about St. Dominic? Then we kind of covered everything. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a break to listen uh, to our sponsor, and then we'll be right back. This episode of Café con Santos is brought to you by the Basilica of St. Anne's de Detroit. St. Anne's is a French-origin church that was established in 1701 with their current building built in 1886. There are a few things that were brought from the previous church, which was the Stone Church. These are the body of Father Gabriel Richard, our founder, currently rests in our chapel. A hand-carved altar rail that was carved in 1853 and is currently in our church. The 
1818 cornerstone from the stone church. The statue of St. Anne that's on the shrine, which also contains a first-class relic of hers, and the chapel's altar from 1818 that Father Gabriel Richard used to celebrate Mass in. This church took about one year to build, and all pews were hand-carved. This is a French neo-Gothic structure, so everything points up. There are many known miracles, mostly around St. Anne's feast day, which is July 26. A lot of people come and pray for fertility and to find a good spouse. In the 1960s, St. Anne's church was in the verge of closing, but thanks to the surplus of Hispanic community, it was able to stay afloat, and it has been a multicultural church since. Through the years, many parish ministries have served in the Southwest community, including Cornadas, Knights of Columbus, Guadalupanas, to mention a few. Good St. Anne, you were specially favored by God to be the mother of the Most Holy Virgin Mary, and thus grandmother of our Savior Jesus Christ. By your intimacy with your most pure daughter and her divine son, kindly obtain for us the graces that we seek the cure for us, the strength to perform faithfully our daily duties, and the help we need to persevere in the love of Jesus and Mary. Madre de María y Abuela de Jesús, ruega por nosotros. All right, what's up, everybody? We are back from that break. Uh, Daniel just shared his journey and the faith from uh, going to... Uh, San Esteban, you know, serving the, the parish, going into the seminary, and eventually discerning out uh, after uh, a series of events that could be explained as the, the high point being the 30-day yeah. retreat. So today we're going to be talking about St. Dominic Savio, who is the patron saint of, um, it says choir boys, but also altar servers, altar right? Servers. Uh, the falsely accused and also juvenile delinquents. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to read uh, his biography. Uh, uh, there's like, I'm going to put the, the words here to the page where I got this biography, and then later we could talk about how his life applies to us today. All right. Dominic Savio was born on April 2nd, 1842, in the village of Riva in northern Italy. His father was a blacksmith and his mother a seamstress. He had nine brothers and sisters. His family was poor but hardworking. They were devout and pious Catholics. When he was just two years old, Dominic's family returned to their native village of Casanovo Diasti, today Casanovo Don Bosco, near the birthplace of John Bosco. Vasco would himself later be canonized as a saint by the church and become a major influence on the life of Dominic. As a small child, Dominic loved the Lord and his church. He was very devout in practicing his Catholic faith. For example, he said grace before every meal and refused to eat with those who did not. He was always quick to encourage others to pray. Dominic attended church regularly with his mother and was often seen 
kneeling before the tabernacle in prayer. He even prayed outside the church building. It did not matter to Dominic if the ground was covered with mud or snow. He knelt and prayed anyway. Dominic was quickly recognized as an exceptional student who studied hard and performed well in school. He became an altar server. He also attended daily mass and went to confession regularly. He asked to receive his first communion at the age of seven. This was not the practice in the Church of Italy at the time. Normally, children received their first Holy Communion at the age of 12. Dominic's priest was so impressed with his intelligence concerning the faith, his love for the Lord, and his piety that he made an exception. Dominic said that the day of his first communion was the happiest day of his life. On the day he received his first communion, Dominic wrote four promises in a little book. Those promises were, I will go to confession often and as frequently to Holy Communion as my confessor allows. I wish to sanctify the Sundays and festivals in a special manner. My friends shall be Jesus and Mary. Death rather than sin. The young Dominic graduated to secondary school and walked three miles to school each day. He undertook his chore gladly. While walking to school on a hot day, a farmer asked why he wasn't yet tired. Dominic cheerfully replied, Nothing seems tiresome or painful when you are working for a master who pays well. Although he was young, Dominic was clearly different than his peers. When two boys stuffed a school heating stove with snow and rubbish, the boys were known troublemakers and were likely to face expulsion if caught. So they blamed Dominic for the misdeed. Dominic did not deny the accusation and he was scolded before the class. However, a day later, the teacher learned the truth. He asked Dominic why he did not defend himself while being scolded for something he did not do. Dominic mentioned he was imitating Jesus who remained silent when unjustly accused. Dominic's teacher spoke well of him and brought him to the attention of Father John Bosco, who was renowned were looking after hundreds of boys, many of them orphaned and poor. In October 1854, Dominic was personally introduced to Father Bosco along with his father. At the meeting, Bosco wanted to test Dominic's intelligence and understanding of the Catholic faith. He gave Dominic a book of the Catholic meetings, which was a pamphlet that dealt with apologetics. He expected Dominic to provide a report the next day, but just 10 minutes later, Dominic recited the text and provided a full explanation of its significance. This solidified Bosco's high opinion of Dominic. Dominic expressed an interest in becoming a priest and asked to go to Turin 
to attend the Oratory of San Francis de Sales. Father Bosco agreed to take him. At the Oratory, Dominic studied directly under Father Bosco. He worked diligently and always asked questions when he did not understand something. He renewed his first communion promises that he, re that he wrote in his little book at the age of seven. After six months at the Oratory, Dominic delivered a speech on the path to sainthood. In his speech, he made three outstanding points. It is God's will that we all become saints. It is easy to become a saint, and there are great rewards in heaven for saints. Dominic's desire to become a saint troubled him, however. He wondered to himself how someone as young as he would become a saint. In his zeal, he tried voluntary mortification and other voluntary penances, hoping that they would help him to grow closer to Jesus and help him to be less concerned with his own needs. He even made his bed uncomfortable and wore thin clothes in winter. When Father Bosco observed these practices, he corrected Dominic. He explained that as a child, what he should do instead was to devote himself to his studies and to be cheerful. He discouraged Dominic from any more physical penances. Dominic's happy demeanor quickly returned. At the same time, Dominic was developing his reputation as a fantastic student. His health began to fail. He started to lose his appetite, and Father Bosco became concerned. Dominic was taken to the doctor, who recommended he be sent home to his family to recover. Dominic wanted to stay at the oratory, but Father Bosco insisted he go home. Everybody expected Dominic to recover, except for Dominic himself, who insisted he was dying. Before he departed, Dominic made the exercise of a happy death and predicted this would be his final devotion. After four days at home, Dominic's health worsened. The doctor ordered him to bed to rest. He then performed bloodletting, which was still performed at their time. Over the next four days, Dominic was bled ten times before the doctor was satisfied he would recover. But Dominic was sure of his impending death. He implored his parents to bring the parish priest so he could make a last confession. They obliged him and Dominic made a confession and was given the anointing of the sick. He asked his father to read him the prayer for the exercise of a happy death. Then he fell asleep. Hours later he awoke and said to his father, Goodbye dad, goodbye. Oh what wonderful things I see. Dominic fell asleep and died within minutes. It was March 9th. 1857 and Dominic was merely 14 years of age. His father wrote to Father Bosco to report the sad news. Father Bosco was powerfully touched by Dominic and he wrote a biography, The Life of Dominic Savio. The biography quickly became a popular and would eventually be read in schools across Italy. As people learned about Dominic, 
they called for his canonization. Detractors argued that Dominic was too young to be canonized and pointed out that he was not a martyr. However, Pope Pius X disagreed and opened his cause for canonization. Dominic was declared venerable in 1933 by Pope Pius XI, beatified in 1950, then canonized in 1954 by Pope Pius XII. St. Dominic Savio, pray for us. So that's Dominic Savio. Anything about his story, there's a lot. Anything that initially sticks out to you? Yeah, I would say probably the main thing, it was just his great desire of being a saint. The one thing that strikes a lot. But yeah, kind of, also kind of, as we were reading, I was really thinking about, for example, like when he was doing all his penances, how Father Bosco told him, like, no, you don't, you don't need to do these. You need to focus on your studies. And that's something, for example, for all of us, you know, trying to be saints, we need to focus on what we have and do our best and do it with joy. Because, I mean, there are saints who did penance. Yeah. But... Those were specific saints. Like we're all called to be ourselves individually. Yeah. And if and if I assume that if uh, Saint John Bosco saw something in Dominic that was cheerful and glad, mm-hmm. he knew that this is your path to sainthood. Yeah. yeah, but that's something Saint Dominic told him one time. He's like, "Well, you need to be joyful. You need to be joyful that you know, you're. Yep, God loves you and all that, and just you know, don't be miserable." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it says that uh, he was like about seven years old when he first received communion, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, he made resolutions. And when I think of resolutions, I think of retreats, and yeah. you're going to make a resolution to do this and that. And to think that someone at the age of seven years old was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. That sounds pretty pretty intense, but in a good way. Uh, but yeah. looking back, weren't you like seven years old when you became... Like started getting involved in the church. <laughs> yeah, when I was officer, like eight, eight years <laughs> old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how does that make you feel that maybe you weren't too far off from Saint Dominic? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, because I remember that time. It's, I don't know. For me, it was a great desire just to help. Because at that point, there was no one to use it at that at that mass. So I was only for a good year. I was the only one had to do everything at the mass. But yeah, but I I want to say. Would have made resolutions just like St. Dominic Savio. <laughs> yeah, and if we look at his last uh, resolution, which was death before sin. Death before sin, yeah. That's... And at seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like already at seven years old, he wanted to be a saint. He already had that in mind. And he must have understood what it meant to sin and how it offended God. Yeah. And if I... Not not to throw shade at uh, seven year olds today, uh, most of them are probably on their tablet playing games, and yeah. I, I think the last thing that they're thinking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like kind of you know, what you read there. Like now, you know, kids do the first communion like around that same age now, but back then it was eleven two years old, eleven twelve years old when he did it. Like for them back then, it was very rare that he did it at seven years old. So that's kind of something that was interesting for me when I learned about that. Was that they just saw how he hol- how holy he was and how he had that great desire to receive the Eucharist that he re- received at seven years old because the priest saw that how holy he was living like, and how he had that great desire to receive the Eucharist already at seven years old. And uh, what age did you say again that you received your confirmation? 
Um, I think I received mine at 12, I think it was. Around 12 years old. And like, what, what, why did you pick Dominic? Were there like other saints that kind of you were thinking about? Or did, this, did he like stick out to you? So like, here's an interesting thing. So I, was, I think it was actually 13, but yeah. So when I had my confirmation, it was actually, this is back then when they did confirmations together, San Esteban, Holy Redeemer, Santa Ana. So the one year I did mine, it was actually a Santa Ana. And so I was just researching, like, okay, different saints I could pick from. It's like, okay, let me research about these different saints I want to give. Let me ask you this, though. Did you wait till the last minute? Uh, no, I researched. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, because no, I did research because at that point I was taking um, ultra server classes, the Monaguillos. So, I, okay, let me just look through these different saints of the Monaguillos. So, I, okay, I saw like Dominic, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll pick him. But then kind of the, well, I feel like it was like a sign for me to pick him because what happened was the day I, rece- I received my confirmation was the day of his feast day. Oh. So kind of, I saw this, like, this is a sign. <laughs> and I was like, I need to pick him. Yeah. So that day I... Received my confirmation at Saint Anne, and it was the day of Saint Dominic Savio, which is May seventh, I think it is. And ever since then, like, have you had a, a devotion to Saint Dominic, or ha- have there been any like moments where you experience his intercession? I would say yes. Like, I'm kind of just praise. Like, when I was in high school, I remember like, kind of one of the things I would always do is say a prayer, like. The prayer of St. Dominic's side before I go to school. That's something I would always do back in high school. Those things like that. And kind of something I always try to do when it comes to like his feast, I always try to do the novena of him. That's something I always, like at least for those days, during the like late April, May, do the novena of St. Dominic Savio. Well, here's, here's a quote uh, from St. Dominic. He says, I am not capable of doing big things, but I want to do everything, even the small things, the greater glory of God. What, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, kind of just be able to do different things, always for the, like, always do your best, like, offering to God. That's, like, the main thing. There can be simple things that just, for example, like, for him, he, we had to study, do his schoolwork, okay, just do that and, like, offer it to God. And just, because you can do great things for God, but also, like, even the little things can be, Something you can praise God through, also. Yeah, because that makes me think of uh, is it Santa Teresa, Saint Therese, the the little way, or you know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and how it, you could do little things, but do do them with love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, oftentimes, when there's like so many saints who did like had the gift of healing, had the gift of by location, by yeah. the field, <laughs> like, and then there's other <laughs> saints who you know just were very pious mm-hmm. and had a great love for for God. And I think that's uh that's encouraging because it shows that you don't have to be raising people from the dead to yeah. be a saint. You could yeah. literally through church, through confession, love your neighbor, you know? Well it's like simple things saying like for him, like like it's not say for example he's like resurrected or anything anyone or anything like that. Like it was simple things of just for example with, with him for his prayer life. Because I'm like how he would just go go to the church and just spend an adoration. I remember there's a story about him. Like he, one time after mass, he just stayed to pray and he stayed there the whole morning. He just got carried away with praying. So it was something, it was things like that where he just, even the church was closed, for example, early in the morning, he would just kneel outside and just wait there. Just pray there, even though it was like how you said in the, like the biography right there, he would just kneel there, even though it was snow or mud, he would just kneel there, just wait for the church to be open and just pray right there. 
I think one one of the things that stood out to me when uh, when I was first learning about Saint Dominic was uh, when he was uh, accused of doing something that he didn't oh, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we we heard about it in the biography. Basically, they they put something in the stove, and I'm assuming it made like a mess and it was stinking. And well, yeah, it stinked up the whole place. It stinked up the whole place, and uh, and here is Saint Dominic Savio, uh, a good student. Who, who, who could have easily been like, no, I didn't do that. But instead he said. Said nothing. Said nothing. Well, what do you think we could learn from that? <laughs> I don't know. And it's kind of a hard thing. For example, like for him, he just being. Just him. Just that's a great example of just his humbleness <laughs> of how holy it was. Just wanting to be like Christ. That's something like we need to do too. Just imitate Christ. I mean, obviously you yeah. know this, but for for yeah. those who aren't too familiar with the passion and the agony that that Christ went through, a lot of people when they think of Jesus, they just think of Jesus who loved and did that. But what what were some of the things he was? What were some of the pains that he experienced? The embarrassment that he went through. What what kind of things did Jesus go through? Well, it's like there, he was being accused of death. Like when he went to Pontius Pilate and just, there were, people were yelling for him to be, to die, to be crucified. And yet he accepted, he didn't say anything. Just like he knew, for example, for him, he knew that was, that was um, the father's will for him. Just accepted it. Yeah. Which by the way, I'm not saying you should accept, you know, if someone's mistreating you. Yeah. Uh, but what what I what I'm trying to get at is that oftentimes, myself included, we're so egotistical. We think we're the the greatest thing, and if someone does something against us, want to cast them to be put in prison. But if we take an example of of Saint Dominic, we could be humble and, and say, you know what? So what if if someone thinks less of me? And one thing that I was thinking of when, when I read that part of his story was the, the litany of humility. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard the litany yeah. of humility, but there's this one part uh, that says that others may grow and I be put aside or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it goes through a list of things where you're basically saying, you know what, if other people think less of me, I'm not going to, to freak out. And in a similar sense, if people are going to accuse me, talk trash of me, I'm not going to be hurt. And going back to that retreat, I'm going to try to connect it. (laughs) We start off with understanding that we are made in the image of God and that we are loved. And if we are rooted in that identity, anything that anybody else says about us kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, but that's the number one thing we need to know, that God loves us deeply in it. We created us, all of us, out of love. Any other things that stick out to you about uh, Dominic? I was saying it just, this is a great example, because I, well, I wasn't mentioned for example, right now in the biography, but it's like after, after he passed away, a lot of the kids at the, like at the school with St. John, John Bosco at the oratory, uh, St. Francis of Sales, they always, they all ask on St. John Bosco, like, okay, if, you know, if Dominic is not going to heaven, who's going to heaven? Because that's just how holy he saw him. He, 
Just set a great example. Basically, if he didn't make it, the rest of us have no hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, why do you think it's so important that we would rather die than sin? I would say just because the sin is what separates us from God. Especially that that's something he always, St. Dominic Savi had in his life that he always, you know, avoided all sin. For example, there was this, there are stories about, for example, for him when he was in school, he would be very picky of what friends he would hang out, you know, who were the bad influences in his life. Because he was like, okay, I can't be doing this. Like, I can't be with these people. I need to avoid them. He was always doing his best, like, avoiding any, any, like, any bad habits or being with bad people. That's something else for him. <clears throat> but yeah, like, sin is what separates from God. That's what we need to not offend God. And I think you were telling me about a story about um, whenever he went to this location, he had like a temptation to sin. There was a, a place. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a, a pool or a place where he could just, you know, buy some water. But whenever he went there, I don't remember exactly if it was the other boys or there was something that caused him to be tempted to sin. And he went back to St. John Bosco and told him about it. And he told him, hey, you, it's better that you stick away from, from that place. And uh, St. Dominic took his advice, and he stopped going there. And I think it was in one of the biographies of St. John Bosco, he said, had St. Dominic not listened to my advice, or had he went back there, I don't think he would have been a saint. Okay. So that's, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, it's, it's, it's a calling that there are things in life mm-hmm. that we personally know should be sticking away yeah. or staying away from. What, what do you think some of those things are in our lives? I don't know. Give me different things. Of, give me different things we need to avoid. For example, like, um, for example with him, like St. Dominic said, like, like who do we hang out with? Because a lot of times that's, that shapes how, how we are, how we act with everyone. Give me things like that. Or for example, like even, for example, what do we see on our phones, like online? Give me a different thing too. It's like, are you seeing like holy Christian stuff? Or are you seeing like other stuff of the world? Give me like different things like that. Or like also like, where do you go? <laughs> like yeah. what places do you go to? And then the second part or a second point, um, the importance of having support system because we're all sinners i'm a sinner and sorry to spoil be spoiler daniel but you're a sinner (laughs) Uh, but we all need uh help from brothers and sisters in christ who lead us to to holy things Mm -hmm. what has uh your experience been in regarding to uh following christ have you always had like a, a strong support system uh and have you ever felt like you were that support system for someone else? Um, I would say, yeah, so kind of, I've always kind of throughout my life ever since high school, <laughs> like when I got really close to the church, I've always like tried to keep good contact with the priest. Like for example, back then I was in high school, I would always, the kind of my support system back then was Father Mario, Javi. So I'd always like talk with him. Like I would go talk with him on Saturdays. For example, he had no confessions. I would just go talk with him about different things. Like just asking like his advice for different things or like for prayer and things like that. 
So kind of even like in summary, it's something too, like a lot of people don't know is you have what's called a spiritual director, a priest you always like go to and like speak about how you're doing with prayer, how you're doing with your life. That's something actually I'm keeping up right now. So right now, Father Ryan Adams, he's the person I kind of keep him updated every few weeks of how I'm doing with prayer, how things are going. And it's like, it's a, it's a way also for me to push myself to, okay, I need to pray. Like, okay, I need to try to go to adoration, go to mass every week and things like that. But yeah, maybe just like, um, I haven't, let's say, I haven't really been in a support system for, for someone, but like, trust me, like in moments I've been, I probably have helped other people. Like for example, like there's, there was this one girl, like I met when I in a pilgrimage. And I remember one time she just, we were just um, sitting and she just started talking about different things and kind of, we kind of told her a couple of different things of how to, she started talking about her prayer life and just kind of, kind of encouraging her. Like even like someone right now I know from St. Anne's, like also like I, like I'll advise them like, okay, you should probably pray, pray this, you know, pray with this scripture and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's not say something I do like frequently, but it's like once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I guess now that we're, we're wrapping up this episode, um, what advice, and I'm gonna take the opportunity to talk since you were in the seminary, what mm-hmm. advice would you give to young men who are discerning the call to priesthood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for discerning the cult of priesthood, you have to be, sh- you really, really be sure about it. So number one advice is definitely talk with your parish priest or a priest you can trust you have to talk about everything about it. But yeah, it's like really you need to focus on to see, you know, really think about the priesthood and, you know, see what, how does a priest live? Okay, can you think of your life being like that for the rest of your life? And, you know, seeing how a lot of times are, you know, what the priests do, like they don't just celebrate mass. And to see like okay they are always there for like weddings they had to do baptisms but especially like, also too like they go to like visit people when they're sick you're willing to see like the priest is not just celebrating mass he does different things you know for the church for the people they're willing to think about it you really want to dedicate your life like that and you know live that you know the life of prayer because priests had to they pretty much pray the whole time they pray at least five times a day for example they pray the liturgy of the hours they have adoration they have mass every day so the priests, you really need to live a um, life of prayer the whole time. But yeah, when thinking about that, I really need to think about, okay, is this something, do I find joy in it thinking about being a priest? Do I think is this is the best for me to do? And you, you really need to pray about it and you know, speak with the priest about it. Nice. Yeah. I think that prayer is definitely key. Without prayer, none of this yeah. <laughs> works. Um, yeah. So thanks for that advice. And my own advice for the fellas out there, don't be afraid. Just words from scripture, literally do not be afraid. But also words from St. John Paul II, who says, yeah. no tengas miedo. <laughs> so uh, we're going to wrap things up. Is there any like last uh, thoughts uh, that you want to share uh, with the audience? It could be anything about regarding the life of uh, St. Dominic Sabio. It could also be just personal mm-hmm. stuff. Um, any last thoughts? Yeah. Um, kind of just one thing that's coming to mind is kind of going through the life of St. Dominic Savio is we really need to have that desire of being a saint. Like I know it's something, like even for me, I'm guilty. Like I don't really think about it the whole time, but it's something we all need to strive for, which is like St. Dominic Savio. He always really thought about that, you know, thinking about being a saint. And we're all called to be saints, even though it seems really hard, but we're all called to be saints in this life. And so we always need to focus on that, of being to you know, have a life of prayer and like live like a good Christian too and be able to go to say mass every Sunday 
So really having that daily prayer life and all that is something really important for us to be saints. And also too, they come kind of, kind of just encourage people too. like, if you really want to grow in your prayer life, what helps a lot too is um, just be able to learn about prayer too. Learning how to read the Bible, be able to pray with it. That's something maybe I would encourage people to do is maybe get involved in some group that can kind of encourage you to be able to pray. Shameless plug. Is there a Bible study group? Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're all welcome to join at St. Anne's, we have a, what we call the um, Bible reflection. What's the, re- the real name is Lexa Divina, which is be able to, um, divine reading to be able to pray the Bible. It's something that's very helpful. So that's, a, that's one way of praying. Um, you can all learn about at St. Anne's at eight o'clock on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. Um, thank you for saying yes to, to this episode. And I, I'm sure many of the listeners will appreciate and receive something from what you've shared with us. Yeah. Uh, so I like to close these, uh, these episodes off by uh, I telling the, the uh, listeners to pray the rosary then you tell the audience to tell to, to pray the rosary. And then together, the third time, we say pray the rosary. Okay. So got it? Got it. All right, there, there has been two people who have messed this up. <laughs> we will see if you are number three or if you will be on the good team. All right. All right. But before that, um, you, you could close us off in prayer and make yeah. sure to talk here. Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us here together in this day. And be able to record this episode. We thank you, Lord, for the many things you bless all of us with. That you may always protect us and provide for all of us. And you always care for us, Lord, since you have created us out of love. We ask you, Lord, to help us with everything that we have in our lives. And we ask you to, to draw all of us closer to you to start to be saints, just like St. Dominic Savio in his life. That we, all, may, we may all have that strong desire to be saints in our life and draw closer to you, Lord. I ask you this, O oh Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you again, Daniel, for yeah, you're welcome. for that, uh, that whole testimony and talking about St. Dominic Savio. If you would like to support the mission of Café Con Santos, you could do so by liking our Facebook page. You can also subscribe to this YouTube channel. Listen to these podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We also have uh, quite a few rosary nights in the community that you could be a part of. Uh, I hope that you enjoy the rest of this day. And please, please, please always remember, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray the the rosary. rosary. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to count it. We're going to count it. (laughs) 